You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. We're going to start right here um, in 1 Samuel, and I'm going to, we're going to be talking about King David and his mighty men. So from the time that David was anointed king, and then by the time, he, well, there's a lot that happened from then until he was king, but he, he killed Goliath, he did all these things, and Saul became so jealous of him that he was trying to kill him and do all these things to him. So David actually had to run away and escape. So he came to here in 1 Samuel 22. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in distress, that's like, I didn't even catch that until now. Everyone, everyone who's in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. Wow. So I love this. And, and Adullam means hiding place or place of refuge. So all of these men who were having troubles in life, maybe they wanted to escape from life, escape from their everyday, they followed David to the cave. And so the first element we need, or the first stage of training, is the protection. We need protection. Protect. Is that what they said? Yeah, protect. So we need to be undercovering. So these guys, they, they probably just were discouraged, downtrodden, looking for a place to go. I mean, and, and really, that's the, a church should be that place, too. You can come in. In, in, your, in, your, in your worst day and, and meet Jesus here on this altar during that worship. Like, you, that was so incredible. Coming to a place that restores us, encourages us, fills us with hopes that we can go back into the world. But also, Jesus is also that place of protection. In Psalm 94.1, it says, He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithfulness, faithful promises are your armor and protection. 2 Thessalonians 3.3, 3, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. Deuteronomy 31.6, this is my favorite one. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord, your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. And I told everybody that if I were to get a tattoo, I would get that tattoo. Be strong and courageous. Yes. Do not be terrified because the Lord is with you. I mean, if you could tell yourself that every day, what couldn't you do? There's nothing you couldn't do. Be strong and courageous. I'm with you. Like, is it, that's it. Tell yourself that every day. Every day. It's so important. But I love this because when you come in, if, you, if you're downtrodden or depressed or down, like when you read these scriptures, when you get your awakened Bible and open it up and read the promises that he has for you, like you can't stay in that place for long. Like come into his protection. Let him be your protector. Let him restore you. Let him, let him do this. He, even in the names of, of God, God, we see his protection over us. Jehovah Nisi is our banner. Jehovah Jireh, our provider, he, prote he provides protection over our finances. That's important. I love that that's in there. Thank you, Jesus. Jehovah Rapha, our healer. He's our healer and protector. Jehovah Shalom, he's our peace. Jehovah Tekindu, yep. <laughs> <laughs> he's our righteousness like Michael was saying our righteousness thank you God we don't need to do it on our own we don't he doesn't want us to do it on our own he does it for us did you know that all of these things are for us they're available for us all you have to do is is look in here and believe them in your heart thank you Lord I love that and then but also we don't 
we don't just need to come into a place where we feel protected and safe, but we are also called to be protectors, especially when it comes to our children, that, that we need to be the ones, we are their stewards. God, I look at my three boys and I love each of them. And I'm like, wow, God entrusted us with them. And each one I look at them, like I, we are responsible for training them up, teaching them what's right and wrong, teaching them who God is, teaching them all of these things. That's actually our responsibility. It is a huge, it is a huge responsibility. And we're also called to, uh, you know, we're, we're called to protect them from natural dangers. You know, we want to keep them from running out into the street or, or climbing up. Noah climbs up on the counter now using the, the handles of the drawers and he climbs up on the counter and gets near things that he shouldn't. And so we need to protect them from themselves, from, from trying to harm themselves every five minutes. I mean, between one, no, maybe like whenever they start walking, 10 months to like three or two, they, they try to harm themselves every day. Not because they, they want to harm themselves, but because they, they don't know better, you know, like sticking things into sockets or like doing crazy things. So we are called to be their protectors, but as they grow, it comes, becomes less in the natural. They start to learn, okay, if I do that, I'll get hurt. But then more in other areas, we need to be protecting them. Like, and, um, Oh my goodness. It says um, in Mark 9, 42, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to stumble, I feel like this is a warning. He's like, don't do it. It would be better for him if a millstone was hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. That's pretty harsh. That's like one of those threats you tell your kids that like you're actually not going to follow through with. But God says this in the Bible, like that he would, that this, he's not, he doesn't lie. <laughs> so this is pretty, pretty harsh. He's saying, we, you need to look after the little ones. You need to protect them. You need to look after them. Another, another thing that we need to protect or that we're responsible to protect are, is our home. What are we allowing in our home? What are we allowing to be spoken in our home? You know, the language that we speak to each other, would we need to change the language in our, how you speak to your spouse if you had guests come over? Would you, would you have to speak differently, your spouse or your children? Maybe, you know, think about that. Like, are, there, there are things, your home should be a sanctuary. Your home should be a place of protection and, and safety, right? You don't want to have to escape from your home. Your home, and the problem, with, the thing with that is that you're actually responsible for the uh, um, atmosphere in your home. So if it's not great, it's your fault. <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't, that wasn't nice. But a little bit, okay? So... <laughs> smile. Okay. All right. So we'll, we'll help you get there. But, um, but it is, it is your responsibility. If you know, Pastor Jurgen um, talks all the time that our world around us is a product of our, our decisions. You know, your husband or wife is a product of your husbandry or wivery, you know? And so we do have a raw, I just made that up. We do have a responsibility to, to these things. It's so important. Another thing we needed to protect is our marriage. And this is the kids knowing that, that mom and dad, that this is, this is comes first, you know, and how, how you speak to your husband and wife in front of your kids. That's important. All of these things. We are training up the next husband and wives and mom and dads in our home. And they are watching by example. So please be careful what you're saying in front of them, how you're treating, you know, that each other. And I was, I'm blessed. I, I grew up in a home that my parents, I never saw them fight. And and I, as I got older, I'm like, did they just fight? And I never saw it or I don't know. I still don't know to this day, but 
they had an amazing marriage and, um, and, uh, I think now it's just cause my dad is such a peacemaker. He, he just let my mom like do whatever she wanted, <laughs> which is probably another counseling moment, but, um, it worked. Hey, I lived in a happy home. My dad would eat the leftover spinach on my plate when I didn't want it. <laughs> so they, they were great parents. Um, but um, I, I just love, I love it. I, I grew up in a safe home. They encouraged me and loved me. And I know so many successes I have in life and where I'm at today is just because I had such a great home to, to grow up in. I love it. So let's teach our kids to honor, honor each other, honor our parents, honor those older than us, honor authority, their teachers. Sometimes I see kids speaking to their teachers even. I'm like, wow, that's like that, we need to be teaching that in the home. It is not the teacher's job to be teaching them that. That's our responsibility. So let's do that, East Campus. Come on, let's be good parents. All right, so that is the protecting phase. And then we're going to go into the next phase. This phase is my favorite phase that I wrote a lot of notes on this. So I'll try to be efficient with my time. But so this next phase is the training phase. So we go from, from protection and like, okay, I'm safe. Yes, I'm getting the things I need to... I'm signing up to be teachable. I'm signing up to improve. I'm signing up to be better. And so this is the training phase. I, I secretly like um, challenges. Um, like I like the scare, the things that are hard don't scare me. I kind of like the, the, the difficulty in it. And I remember um, I signed up for a half marathon. I don't know if I had great, my oldest was maybe like three months old and I decided I wanted to do a half marathon. And so I'm like, yes, I'm gonna train for half marathon. But then I realized that that actually took training and time. <laughs> and so in theory, it sounded really good. Like the end result, I want to do that. But then the time between when I signed up and the race, I actually had to put action in. And um, that part is sometimes not easy. It takes commitment. It takes time. It takes, you don't want to wake up and run eight miles, all these things. But the end, the end result, result is worth it. But even more, it is good to sometimes have a challenge for yourself where you have to discipline yourself to do something. It's good for us. Don't always take the easy route. So first, we need to be the student. We need to be teachable. There's a Chinese phrase that says, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. When the student is truly ready, the teacher will disappear. And that's because you become the teacher then. <laughs> so I love it. It's, it's like a cycle, discipleship cycle. It's like you get trained, and then you go through it, and then you bring someone else through it. But then it never ends. It keeps going. It's like I'm continually, we are continually being, being trained being trained and, and growing in areas. It's a continual thing until the end of time. So always, we should always be learning. I, I think this is Michael's favorite quote. You can learn something from everyone. Maybe not favorite quote, but you say it a lot. You can learn something from, every, from anyone in any situation. Be someone who's teachable and open. You're actually more pleasant to be around anyway if you're, if you're open to asking questions. Yeah, it's true. Let's be willing to learn from each other and, and learn from things and learn from experiences, you know? Let's not be closed off and think we know everything. That's what a sad way to live, you know? Um, um, this man, Kenneth Blanchard, said, when we stop learning, we stop growing. So let's continue to grow and, and get better. 
um, we had a we had a man visit our campus last year when Dr. Jim Garlow was here, and his name was Dr. J James Tour, and he was one of the most brilliant men I had ever met in my life. He had he I think he almost has or has a Nobel Prize in nanobot technology or something like that, where they race like tiny microscopic cars and. They, he's developed them to like go into the body and like deliver things to parts of the body. Anyway, he's a genius and he, he's actually Jewish and he, uh, had a discipline of studying two hours of scripture every morning. And he taught his kids to do this too. And he's just one of the smartest men I've ever met in my life. And when he came to our church, he was learning, he was sitting, taking notes. He was like watching all the young people. He was telling us how much he loves seeing them. He goes to the back and he picks up a following Jesus book. And he's like, I'm going to read this. I want to learn what you guys are doing here. He's like, I'm Jewish, but I always want to know, like, I want to learn more. I want to see what you're doing. And I just so appreciated that. That, that attitude and that spirit and that heart. Like, no wonder you're the smartest man I've ever met. Like you're, you're can, even in a place where you could say, I'm, I'm don't feel in a place to receive. Like he was like leaning in. So I just felt like that was such a beautiful spirit that he carried. And I was so inspired by him that even though I might be the expert in areas, like you could always learn more and you can always learn something from someone. So let's be, let's be teachable. And let's be self-feeders. So at some point in your life, you're going to have to take responsibility for yourself. You can't blame it on someone before you, okay? It's, it's going to be up to you at some point at how far you go. And it is really up to you. There's no, there's no ceiling on this life. Like, there's no ceiling. Michael's making hand signals at me. I don't know why. Yeah, so there's no ceiling. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so I'm a, <laughs> oh my gosh, but um, so I'm a dental hygienist, and so people come into my office, and I clean their teeth, and then I, I floss them, <laughs> and then people are like, okay, great, thank you so much, I feel so clean now, and you know, I'll see you in six months, and, and, I'm, and, they're, and I'm like, well, I hope that you would floss between now and when I see you again, you know, and they're like, oh, well, you, you do such a good job, and so I'm like, oh my gosh, like at some point, like you're going to have to take your own home home care into your own hands. Like if your gums are bleeding, it is not because I poked you. Okay. I didn't poke you. It's because you're not flossing people. I know I'm trying to tell people, I'm like, you know what? You should brush your teeth before you come to see me. Wow. I know. So I'm really nice about it when you're in my chair though. I'm really nice. I don't make you feel bad about it, but I do try to, I do try to educate you that, that, that there's, you know, bacteria in there. <laughs> yeah, but the same is true for church. Like you can come in on a Sunday, you get fed, you're like, hear a great message, and then you go home, and then you're like, oh, I'm feeling a little down. Oh, there's church on Wednesday. I'll go to church on Wednesday, and then oh, there's church on Sunday. So we do keep you really busy. And if you're in connect groups and other things happening in church, like you probably could be busy four nights out of the week. But at some point, yeah, or more. But at some point. What are you doing at home? Like, do you have your personal relationship? And you probably do. Like, you probably love Jesus and love the church and love God. But at some point, are you going to um, do the Bible in the year with us and start reading and learning for yourself, having revelation? Like, it's, you know what? It is, I don't remember when it was for me, but when I started reading this and it actually started 
God would reveal truths to me. I felt like I won the lottery. I'm like, oh my gosh, God, you showed this to me. Like, and, and it never gets old. It never gets boring. So, so join us. If there's Bibles back there, just take them. Okay. Take them, read it, read it with us. I've been trying to get you guys to do this already for a couple months, but, but if they're back there, please join us in doing this. It is so rewarding. Your life is going to be transformed. It is so much fun. You're going to be so excited to get up in the morning to read this. That's, I promise you, you're going to start to love the word. It is so good. The Bible requires us to train up our children in the way they should go so that they would not depart from it. If you're not training up your kids, someone else is training them or something else. Okay. YouTube, Instagrammers or whatever, TikTok, all of these things. Our kids are learning from somewhere. They're sponges. They are wired for learning. And so if we are not intentional, if we're not the primary educator for school in our home, that's fine. But we should we should be knowing what we should know what they're learning and what's in their text. What are they doing? Because it's important for their upbringing. Like what kind of um, you know children are we wanting to raise? I I feel like I think about my son that he's nine. So in 10 years, he should be a fully functioning adult. I mean, he should be able to go out and get a job if he has to, and be able to, to do that. And, and so I, we feel responsible, like we need to be able to train him up. And, and that is so important more than ever in this time. I love it. You know, and, and I feel like we need to take responsibility for that, that it's not the government's responsibility to train our kids. I know. I mean, especially if it's if you're in this house in awakened church, when you are exposed and know the truth, then there's no way you would allow like there's not on our watch. We cannot let that happen. We can't. So, so if you didn't know, we, we started a school because of all of this and it's blowing up. We're going to have a campus at El Cajon next year and it's going to be great because we're teaching them how to think, how to read, how to process, how to love God, how to be respectful to their teachers and do all the right things. Cause at the end of the day, what's really important. Okay. It's good. And they're going to learn other things too. That's good. We need to train our kids to be resilient that we wouldn't just, you know, rescue them at the slightest incident, okay? So I see this in adults a lot. They get to something, like, I feel a little resistance. Like, I feel like that's not where God is leading me. When sometimes that's exactly where God is leading you. He just wants you to bust through that thing and get a little strength in you. He's wanting to strengthen us. Like, I, I feel like that has been a disservice for this past generation that everything has just been done for them and, and they haven't had a, a, a sad day's moment. Like, it's like, I'm, I don't want to go to school for this or that, or they get out of everything. Like, I need a safe place to go on my college campus because this hurt my feelings. It's like, I, I feel like we haven't helped them because they don't know, even know, like, how to process things properly and, and act like adults. So I feel really, I know I'm good really harsh in this service. What's happening? Sorry. I was nicer last service. I'm just really like fired up about this, I guess. My goodness. Ah. Okay. So 
But I'm not, we're not pretending that we don't have down days or hard things. So when those days do come and they, they happen to me, you know, that's when we need to train them what to do because people will let you down. Your, a person cannot be your savior. Your person cannot be the person that rescues you from everything. We need to teach them. And this is like what we do at this church. Teach them to fish. What is the Bible saying? What is God telling you? Teach them where to go. So whenever I have these moments in my life where I feel like I just want to curl up in a blanket and hide until the storm passes over, God meets me there and he reminds me of Psalm 23. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, through I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare before me in the presence of you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is such a beautiful passage, and just even reading that, I just felt peace come. If you ever find yourself needing to lay down in the, in the grass, as he says, by the still waters, I, this probably happens to me maybe once a year or maybe less, but often, more often than I'd like to admit, I, I, I go to that place. He reminds me of this. I cry. He says, okay, Lisa, time to get up. Wipes my tears. I stand up. And I'm like, all right, I'm good. You know, in this church, we, we give you the tools and, and God will guide us. Listen to the Holy Spirit. He'll, he'll tell you when to lay down. He'll tell you when you need to come to this place and meet with him. And, and our kids learn by watching us. What do we do when we're in a hard time? Do they see us open our Bible? Do they see us praying? Do they see us breaking down? And it's okay to cry in front of your kids. I, I cry in, my, in front of my kids probably more than I should. Um, not, not in a bad way, but they see me emotional. <laughs> but I, I love that at our merge conference, our men can go and be transparent. They can, there's, I, I just imagine tears flowing at the altars that around campfires, tears are flowing. Guys are being transparent. This is not a house where you have to hide your difficulties or things that you're struggling with. Every, every person that takes this platform, like I, I feel like translates because we speak from our transparency. Like we don't hide our mistakes or our, our downfalls. This is, this is real life. We, we share those things so that not to make you feel you know, justified, but so that we can say, I was there and now I'm here. We've gone out of it. We don't want to leave you in that place. That's not what this is for. But I love that we leave space for that. We leave space for ministry and it's so important. All right. This next one's really important. And I hear you, Jared, but I, I'm still on page five. All right. So fears, fearful parents create fearful children. Okay. The Bible says there's two things we should fear God. And who knows the other one? Our parents. Oh, you're here. Oh, yay, good job. So in Leviticus 19.3, it actually says this. Every one of you shall revere his mother and father and keep my Sabbath. I am the Lord your God. So, and I actually stole this listening to Dennis Prager. He says the word revere is 
tiraru in Hebrew, which means fear. It's a word for fear. And the fear of the Lord or your parents is not that we're afraid of them, but that we must answer to them for our actions. So when I was a kid growing up, my mom, uh, my dad was the peacekeeper, so he never really got mad at us. But my mom, she would yell at us and she would threaten me like I'd have to walk to school or make my own lunch or all these things. And... It didn't really, you know, I was a good girl, so I didn't get in trouble often, but her, her yelling at me was kind of like, okay, uh, like often. And, um, and then, but for my dad, it would, it, he would just be disappointed in me. And what do you think kept me from doing bad things? The disappointment from my dad, the, the look on his face that he was disappointed in me was like the, the worst thing in the world. So the fear of the Lord, when you hear about the fear of the Lord, it's not of his wrath or that a lightning bolt's going to hit you or he's going to, it's actually the, the fear of separation from him, fear of being separated from him. And, cut, and, and that is so powerful to me. That would, that, keep, that would keep me obeying in obedience more than any, any, uh, any uh, what's the word? Like uh, punishment. So... Alan told me this week that there's two fears that we're born with. I didn't even know this. The fear of falling and the fear of loud noises as a baby. Those are the two fears that we're born with. So every other fear is learned, okay? So either from observation or instruction. So like I mentioned earlier, we teach our kids, like, stay away from that. That's going to hurt you. But then also, we speak things over our kids. You know, like, this. don't be afraid. This is, you know, like, people, other, Dennis again, my Dennis analogies, because <laughs> I've worked there 18 years. Um, parents bring their kids in, and they're like, they're holding their hand, and they're like, this is not going to hurt. Don't worry. Like, it's not scary. And I'm like, you've just told them. It's scary. Like, stop telling them that. You know, at some pediatric offices, they make the parents sit out in the waiting room because of that. Because, because in and itself, it's not scary. I'm nice. At least give me one chance before you're scared of me. You know, but these kids, like, they don't even have a chance. They, they come in. So I feel like we, um, we put our fears in our kids. Every time you leave the house, does your mom say, be safe, be careful, don't hurt yourself. It's like they're conditioned to think something bad is going to happen to them. And that is, that is wrong. So if you're doing that, rethink that, okay? We don't want to we don't want to be raising fearful kids unnecessarily, okay? Yeah. The percentage that something bad is going to happen to you is the same whether you're worried about it or not, and it's probably actually not going to happen at all. So there's no reason we need to be wasting time and energy worrying about things that um, aren't going to happen. And fear has imprisoned a lot of people these last 2 years unnecessarily, and we're seeing that now. But I feel like if we, we could now look, you know, looking forward with what we know, if we could teach our kids to confront our fears, if they're feeling, feeling fearful, have them ask why, like, why am I acting fearful? And, and then we need to teach them to not make decisions based on fear. I taught myself that many years ago when I used to struggle with fear, I'm like, okay, am I going here or not going here or doing this thing because of fear? And if the answer is yes, then if, if, if it's because of fear, then I know that I need to do it. And the opposite. So don't make decisions based on fear ever. It's never the right choice. Okay. Never the right choice. Yeah. So we need to teach them how to process. It's so good. All right. I'm going to skip to the last one because of time. All right. So this brings us to the third stage of discipleship, the releasing 
So we've got the protection, we've got the training, and now we're being released, released into action. And this takes trusting, this takes letting go on both sides. So and back to David's mighty men. So all of these guys, they came in to the cave, down, downtrodden, disheartened. And, and David, he's an amazing leader, and he had already killed a Goliath at this point. So we know that David's faith had helped him conquer, conquer Goliath. And that same faith we see duplicated in his disciples. And these are some of his, his mighty men that the Bible talks about in 2 Samuel. Dasheb Bashabeth, who killed 800 men in one battle with a spear. Eleazar, who taunted Philistines into battle. And then when the rest of his men had retreated, he kept on fighting until his hand was cleaved to the sword and won. Shema, who fought off a Philistine invasion of his own. And it was in a field of, of lentils. Abishai, who killed 300 bad guys with a spear. And Benaiah, who was David's bodyguard, who took out Moabite Moabite soldiers and went up against another giant of Egypt and even chased a lion into the pit and killed him on a snowy day. So these were the men who just a few chapters before were were the discards. And they've come in, submitted themselves to training, which we know it was not easy, even though it's not written about. And they've come out these mighty warriors maybe the mightiest that we've seen you know and and David um you know he we don't know what he did to train these guys but we know they were faithful they know that they had a heart for David and for God we know that they were fearless we know that David did not pass down a a spirit of fear there's no way they would have done these battles in second chronicles it describes that they were armed with bows and they could they could use their right hand and their left it's so amazing I love it, and I, and um, I had this picture that when we whenever we started our our prayer groups um, in 2020, I had this picture whenever we had cherished prayer of in the girls around in the circle of of these mighty men. I kept thinking I had this picture that we were raising up mighty men and women here at East Campus that we were we would we were honing our skills that we were um, developing um, our muscles of prayer of faith of prophesying that we would be able to throw the spear with the right and the left that we would be ready for anything that we could step into politics that we could step on the stage and worship that we could be a teacher in the academy that we can go out and build businesses that we can that their sky is the limit for us you know if we have this faith that there's nothing we can't do I love it I love it I see Heather like with her salon with you know on the on the brink of closure and and she's in there her field of lentils um, protecting it and speaking faith into those people around her and then I see other people like the shooties like taking territories right and left it's like oh my gosh the faith of the people here like if you need a faith infusion come to men and women's prayer and hear the god stories that are happening there because this is that is that is where it's happening it's so it's so incredible I love it. But this is all this is all possible because at our church we believe in releasing. We believe in training up and discipling and releasing. And so um, we're gonna show the video now. Good job. Good job. Go no go. Go no go. That's good. I love it. My cute little Noah. He's two years old and wouldn't be left 
down in the in the house. He wanted to go skiing. So we said, okay, you can come. So, but being released is a part of maturing. You know, when you're two years old and you want to go skiing, you ski between your mom's arms and your mom's legs and you guide them. You, you hold them up, you protect them. But if we're still doing that when they're 20, there's something wrong. Okay. You should have developed those muscles to do that. A ski instructor told us at age four is the perfect age to go skiing because of muscle memory. Your muscles are strong enough and your muscles, your legs work together and all the things work together for you to be able to do it well. So we need to be working on our muscles of faith, of prayer, of prophesying and doing all these things and training up and, and then, and then release. We let them go and we let them go like on their own advance. And this is where, if we haven't dealt with the spirit of fear in our training, this is where it comes up again, because you could either be the student afraid to be released or you're the you're the teacher afraid to release. And so we see that sometimes too with parenting, afraid to release, like just trust that God has got them. You've done your great work in raising them. You've done your best and you need to let them go. And if you're, if you're the person that has been asked to do something and you're afraid to do it in whatever sphere, like you're ready, you're trained. Don't be afraid to step out in faith. You can do it. Let's do it. Let's be releasing. I love it. So, um, All right, that's pretty much the end of my message. So everyone stand up. I'm going to pray for you guys. I just, yeah, I want to be a church and a people that is intentional at at this process. Like we need to be raising up and releasing for us to be able to have four East Campus locations. Come on, guys. Yeah. And I love that our church is, it champions that. You know, it's like the... I, you think that 10 years ago I could see myself preaching? No way. Like that was not even on my radar that, that that's what I wanted to do. But God had other plans and the church has other plans. He needs you guys. He needs us to step up and be brave and do what's doing our calling. We're releasing a, another preacher this week, Daniel Moltenau, preaching on Wednesday. <laughs> I love it. So get ready, guys. You could be sitting out there right now thinking that could never be me and watch. It's going to be you. Okay. So let me just pray for you guys. God, I just thank you for each and every person here. Whatever stage of this cycle they're on, I thank you, God, if they are needing protecting this morning, that you are meeting them there, that you're comforting them, that you're giving them the, the, the nutrients and the things that they need to, to withstand this time. If you're in the training phase, I thank you, God, that you're giving us endurance and wisdom. I thank you that you're keeping the vision in front of, a, of them and of us to continue on the mission, continue on the training. I thank you that you're bringing people around us to guide us, to help us up, to show us the way. I thank you that you put friends around us that that um, push us to our, that, that push us to go farther, push us to go bigger. I thank you, God, that if you are struggling with the spirit of fear, you can leave here free. I, we pray against that spirit in the name of Jesus. If you're struggling with that, just raise your hand right now. If that was, if that's you, just raise your hand right now in Jesus' name. I thank you God that that spirit is is gone in the name of Jesus we just cancel that spirit we thank you God we crush its head we thank you God for the freedom that is coming in Jesus name that God has not given us a spirit of fear but a power of love and of sound mind so we thank you God that we are a church of disciples, that we are a church of mighty men and women I thank you God that we are releasing not withholding that we are not controlling that we want to we want to do what's right God so I thank you for the mighty men and women in this house I thank you for East Campus I thank you for our merch men going off to battle. And I just am so thankful for all of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, 
go to awakenchurch.com. 